Hey everybody and welcome to Cash's Corner for the first time ever from Truth Social Headquarters with my dear friend and former boss, Devin Nunes, the current CEO of TMTG. We're excited to have him. We're excited to be in Sarasota, Florida. Thanks to the team for having us and we're going to have a great episode. So Devin, welcome to Cash's Corner. Hey, welcome, welcome here to <laughs> True Social Headquarters, man. It's great to have you here. Thanks so much for having us. I would say, I think I want to lead off with, did you ever think when you met me six years ago, this is where we would be doing a Cash's Corner episode? <laughs> no. I thought you would be doing all the media. No. Well, look, I never even thought, you know, all those times, you know, back when we brought you on to, to work on the Russia Gate and the Russia hoax, you know, no one ever thought, I think even when you came on board at that time, no one thought that the government was that bad, the Department of Justice <laughs> yeah. was that corrupt, and that it would basically upend you know, the entire country mm -hmm. into what is now a, a, a fake scandal. Yeah. But I think we're still in that dark chapter of American history, and that's kind of what has resulted in you and I landing here today, is that you know, I left Congress because I realized that our communications were down. There yeah. was no way to communicate even with, with one another, and so that's what brings us here. And, Sarasota is the free speech capital of the world now. It's got, it's got truth and rumble. It seems like it. So, you know, we've never done, we've done a lot of interviews together. We've had a lot of fun over the years, but this is kind of the first, like, for me, from my perspective, to do this with you. So I think it's pretty cool. And I think our audience would love to hear, like, how did you first come on to Russiagate and figure out, we got to get this investigation, we have to go big? I've never really actually asked you that. You know, people always ask me, how did you guys meet? And, you know, we tell them the story, it's literally by chance, through mutual friends. And, but how did you know back then we had to go big on what we now call Russiagate? Well, it, it was actually pretty simple uh, because all through 14 and 15 and 16, mm -hmm. I, I watched how poorly the Obama administration and Bi Obama Biden administration <laughs> was dealing with Putin. If you, if you recall, during that time, there was, there was one fiasco after another, whether it was the little green men going into Crimea, they <laughs> shot down an airliner in Ukraine, mm -hmm. remember all that, and uh, Obama and Biden refused to deal with Putin. Mm -hmm. I mean, they continually backed down to him. They were you know, always trying to cut deals with him, all, all these side deals. Uh, you know, they played games in Ukraine back in 2014, you know, in the election the Obama administration did. None of that made any sense, and it finally led to me coming out in, ironically, in the spring of 2016, saying that this was the biggest intelligence failure since 9-11-2001 was our inability to understand Putin's plans and intentions. So, and that, as you can imagine, as, as chairman of the Intelligence Committee, that's a pretty big statement no, at I was the time, <laughs> right? And. And here, you know, now you look back, think of that time period. Spring of 16, I publicly go out and say, this is the biggest intelligence failure since 9-11. And meanwhile, secretly, DOJ, Obama, Biden, the Clinton campaign, they're all conspiring mm -hmm. to smear the, not just Trump, but the entire Republican Party that somehow, you know, the Republican Party is, you know, Russian assets, Putin, you know, Putin sympathizers when it was, you know, the opposite was true. So that, that time period is important. One of the things I said to you when you first asked me to come join your team, and it was the only thing I really cared about was accountability. I said, look, I don't know Donald Trump. I hadn't met him. I hadn't talked to him at the time. But I said, whatever we find, we put out there. You know, we put for, out for the American people to read. And you were like, absolutely, that's the goal of this investigation. And one of the do defining documents that I think 
not only has stood this test of time, but is going to be the way people look at how you publicize information, is the Nunes memo. I mean, I kind of call it the cash memo, but uh, we, can, we can quibble over that later. But what made you come up with this idea to be like, we've got all this complex stuff, we've got FISA warrants, we've got underlying documents, we've got DOJ memorandums, we've got IC cables, all of it's classified. Yeah, I don't think the people know the lift that it took from you as chairman to A, put that together, and then B, actually get it declassified and out there. So I, I think it would be fun to talk about that. So you have to remember that we knew a lot of that information for almost a full year, yeah. or at least for eight or nine months. And we had to sit on that and sit on it and sit on it. Because if you, if you recall, the Department of Justice, going back to you know, the corruption that was there mm -hmm. at that level and all the intelligence agencies, they were hiding this, they were burying it because they knew that they had that they had done you know serious damage and and it was it was no question corrupt and they were hiding the the corruption and they always played this game of uh, they knew that we couldn't say anything right and they were just waiting for me or Trey Gowdy or mm -hmm. somebody to go say something wrong they were looking at every single interview and so they waiting could prosecute to, you, right? to prosecute us so they could shut the investigation down. So the only way we had to we had to use what was in the House rules, mm -hmm. right? We had to have the parliamentarians look at it. So we basically had to we had to use the full power of the legislative branch to say, "It's over for you guys. We're taking the power. We're putting this out." And if you remember, every remember you had oh. Rosenstein and Ray came New they Year's to talk to, 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 talk to talk to Paul Ryan. Yeah. They threatened to investigate us. I mean, these guys were, were covering this up, yeah. and they did not want this out. And if you, and the, I think the other funny story about about the so-called Nunes memo, uh, if you if you recall, it was actually much longer. There was a lot more information <laughs> that we that we wanted to put out there, yeah. but we really just narrowed it down, narrowed it down because at that time we were still taking the Department of Justice serious that they were you know that they were, you know that they were real and that they weren't corrupt and they were doing things by the book and they really had concerns about some of this information getting down and you know that thing was basically cut down probably by two-thirds of what really should have been put out mm -hmm. there and if you recall it was actually i like to call it, it was really the gowdy memo <laughs> it was now the, you're taking it away from it me was, and giving it, it was to kind of the, I it can't was have the, that. It was the cash and gowdy memo. <laughs> but, you know, the fake news, you know, quickly wanted to get out there because, you know, they had just been, you know, at mm. that point I had been just attacked, mm. you know, slandered and defamed day after day after day. It was really cute for the fake news and the, and the left in mm. the country. Let's just call it the Nunes memo, right? It should have been the House Intelligence memo. It should have been something. Yeah. But and then we'll just smear, continue yeah. to smear Nunes. We'll say it's Russian disinformation. We'll say it's corrupt. We'll say it's leaking information. And you know that story uh, really has not been told very well. A few people have, but remember the Democrats put out a memo. They they then jumped to well, basically put out disinformation. I mean, it, it was Russian disinformation that they put that, out. The that Schiff they, memo that they put out. Yeah. Um, you know that story. You know, still has not been has has not been told. But you know, if you look at the Nunes memo, not only did we you know get it entirely right. In fact, we there was it was a lot worse than what we even thought at the time that we put that memo out. Yeah, on the Schiff memo, I want to I want to get back to that because there were some pretty savvy, not just political maneuvering and using the the levers in Congress that had literally never been used to put this document out. Yeah. But, you know, uh, we, you know, we've never really talked about it, but we knew you talked about paring down the document because, you know, you can't send out a 20 page document. No one, you know, we had to keep it to like five because that's that's yeah. what people can read. But 
you astutely devised a manner in which you were like, well, as, so as soon as we put this out, you predicted, they, the Dems and Schiff, are going to want to put, put their own out. And unlike the Dems, the Republicans were the ones who voted the Schiff memo out. And I think strategically it paid off for us because we almost goaded him into writing that because we knew the fake news mafia would cover it immediately as the truth. But over time, now the Schiff, nothing in the Schiff memo is true, but he put out a lot of the information we wanted out, mainly that, yeah. that information that the FBI knew before the FISA court that the, um, the money came from the Clinton campaign and they hid it from the FISA court. So things like that, I think, were pretty clever that, that you know, over the I would years. Just, I would just argue that it was just a long road, right? Yeah. And here we sit still today that I, I bet if you did a poll, probably close to half of Americans still believe that yeah. Trump and Republicans had something to do with Russia. So, look, we did the right thing for the right reasons. I actually think we should have put a lot more out there. I mm. think at the time, looking back, I still had beliefs in the Department of Justice yeah. and the people that work there and the intelligence agencies. And, you know, there's no way now, looking back at that time period, that the leadership within those agencies, they knew what we were putting out was real and it, what it should have been a problem. And I mean, that should have been taken immediately mm -hmm. by the top people at justice and investigated. But what did they do? They said, no, it's fake. Oh, it's, it's gonna ruin national security. Uh, let's, we're gonna turn it over to the inspector general. Right, let him. And it just, and you know, and, and, and he did a good job with it. I mean, mm -hmm. the inspector general did do a good job, but it, it, it took years. I mean, yeah. it just took forever. And, uh, and it was wrong. It should have been an immediate investigation from the top down, from all the department of people at the Department of Justice and the FBI that were involved in this. And that it just didn't happen. And now Durham's, you know, here we are five years later trying to play catch up because of, you know, the, the high level of corruption that occurred back in that time period. So that's why I say we should have actually, in retrospect, we should have put it all out there, yeah. everything we had. And we could have done it in, hey, here's what we know, know for sure. Mm. And here's what we don't know, but these are facts that you know people need to go out and investigate because, you know, none of that was to protect national security. It was all just a cover up. Right. One of the things I want to just highlight for our audience is, though, you know, the the big epithet that we got thrown at us was, you're, yes, you're going to harm national security, but you're going to kill our sources. You're going to destroy our relationships with the United Kingdom if you put this memo out. I mean, I remember taking it to the White House and then and, and everybody talking about it and saying, oh, my God, you're going to, the, the Attorney General or Rod Rosenstein at the time was saying, you know, you're going to ruin the DOJ. But I want to footstomp for our audience that we did it, we teamed up and did it in such a way that no one died, no relationship was ruined. Yeah. And congressional oversight was validated by showing the American people the accountability that was necessary. That memo led to the firing or retirement of 17 individuals at DOJ and FBI. For a congressional move, that's probably, pretty solid. It, it probably should have been about 170. <laughs> I know. Because um, there's a lot more that knew yeah. what was going on there. Maybe some of those now are cooperating with Grassley. You see some whistle, whistleblowers uh, that, are, that are coming forward. And then and think of the absurdity now mm. that we were somehow going to harm national security it was absurd because the only people they were protecting was a, a washed up, useless Brit, mm -hmm. you know, guy that was on the take, was being paid, yep. right? Not only was he being paid, you know, by the Clinton campaign, ultimately, you know, through a law firm, remember all of that. Uh, he was also being paid by our own FBI. That's right. And then the other guy that they were protecting, this so-called Russian sources, was a dude that, yeah, he was born in Russia, but he was living across the Potomac. He's now being prosecuted by Durham, and he was just making stuff up that, they, that the Clinton team wanted him to put down. So he was like their Russian source. And this was like Putin's easiest play that he ever made. He had to do absolutely nothing because Fusion GPS and Steel just made it all up.
Yeah. And fed it into the system and, and think of all the idiots in the, in the news media. It just shows you, you know, through all of this at the end of the day, um, you know, through the whole Trump presidency, through the Russia hoax, if, if, if it's done any good, it's been that it's ripped the Band-Aid off of what was kind of percolating there for a long, long time of the rotting mm -hmm. of the inside of, of the Justice Department and our intelligence agencies. No, I, I, I was, you know, fortunate to be in a lot of those meetings with you, those high-level meetings. And the one thing that I learned in my government tenure was once you expose government corruption, you force the conversation and the documentation to say, we didn't write this. These are your documents. Right. You said these documents didn't exist. And then you issued 17 congressional subpoenas, which hadn't been done in the history of Congress. And then we found their own documentation. That's the best way to A, educate the American public and prove the truth. And that's, that was the power of, of, of a righteous congressional. Thank you. And if you go back to that time, not only that, though, think of all of those high level personnel even hid those. They hid those from the public. They yeah, hid them no, from they us. And they always claim the same thing. Oh, we can't show you this. It's going to endanger national security. And, you know, every single time we found all they were doing was covering up what was really damaging evidence of their own people doing really bad things and abusing, abusing the system and cooperating with the Democratic Party. Do you think that the American people have all the information that we learn from our investigation in Russiagate? And if not, you know, how much of it is missing and what can we do to get it? I think a lot of it's going to depend on Durham. Okay. And, and this next, it's going to be interesting to see if there, it seems like there should be additional indictments. Mm -hmm. Seems like there's a lot more there. You have the trial of, of Danchenko that yeah. Epic Times has done a great job and you've done a great job of, of outlining that. I just saw uh, this week that Durham is actually going to be the lead I saw that. Prosecutor. that. That is incredibly unusual. Me as a former federal prosecutor, to get like, that's like the AG trying a case. Yeah. So I guess he's going big. Yeah. Well, look, I think what happened, when you, when you look at what happened with the Sussman debacle in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. and I really believe you look back at that, I think Durham had to believe that no way Sussman was going to risk going to jail for five years. Yeah. But he did. You know, he did. I think they knew either he was worried about, Sussman's either worried about disappearing, like a lot of the people that mm -hmm. get crossways with the Clintons, right? Because <laughs> it would have been really easy. I think he was just trying to get him to plea, mm -hmm. is, and, and is my opinion. They, they thought, okay, we're going to charge Sussman. He's going to cooperate. He's going to plea. He's not going to risk going to, going to jail. And he should have been a cooperative witness because really he's at the focal point of everything. Yes. Right? He knows everything that happened. Everything had to have moved through you know, through that law firm and where he was the number one guy, you mm -hmm. know, there or the number two guy, but he was basically handling that. So uh, I think what th that and just another dark part of, of, of U.S. history that's all tied in going mm -hmm. back to going back to 2016 when this all started. That, you know, where you have a city like that, 95 percent Democrat, how are you going to have you know, with this political world? Mm -hmm. I mean, it becomes if you're a Republican, you're going to get the, the, everything thrown at you in Washington, D.C. You're going, you know, it's going to be a short prosecution. The you know, jury's going to deliberate for 10 minutes, and you're going to get the maximum, two maximum sentence. Yeah, it's, a, it's completely two-tiered, and it's wrong. I mean, no way. As you know, the evidence they had on Sussman was crystal clear. The fact that – so we, we've got big problems here, well, I actually, think, is the, is the main thing. So yeah. hopefully Durham is going to do better in Virginia because the, the jury at least will be – 50, 50 years. I, you know, we got to give you, you know, credit for leading that investigation. You know, as you said, I thought too, the, basically in my opinion, you know, Jan and I went and watched the Durham trial of, or the Durham prosecution of Sussman. And it, 
the jury basically had the videotape of the bank robbery with the guy's face on it because yeah. as you remember you authorized 60 some depositions under oath and we took the michael sussman deposition right. where he literally said under oath after taking his oath uh during that deposition transcript that i was there on behalf of a client that's the critical statement and then he goes to the fbi the next you know whenever he went there and says, I'm not coming to you on behalf of anybody. And that's the lie that the jury was shown. Yeah. But I think what Sussman relied on that, I agree, he should have been a cooperating witness, but he banked on the fact that the case was brought in Washington, and you call that out pretty early. Yeah. But why, why do you think And I, and I like also that? think there's an important point, too. If it were, you know, you've, you know, you've been a lawyer on both sides, both a prosecutor and a defender. Um, I, I'm not a lawyer, but if if a client came to you or came to me for you know for legal advice here mm -hmm. and you saw the evidence that yeah. that Durham had against Sussman I would give you know any other american I'd say look you better work out a deal here you know <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. You, there's not much you can do other than you know cop a plea and maybe you know and maybe apologize and and you know you know get a slap on the wrist yeah i mean that that's what advice that i would give somebody that had that type of evidence against them i think durham knew that that was a possibility, but I think what was beneficial, even though there was an acquittal, was the amount of information he got out there to the American public, yeah. to all the Clinton campaign cronies, to the you know to the Jake Sullivans of the world, the Podestas, the Mooks, the Fusion GPSs. They were all thrown into his joint venture conspiracy, as he called it. So moving on to the Danchenko case, which I think is going to get tried in October, as you said, John Durham is going to be the lawyer or at least one of them. What do you expect the world to learn from the Danchenko prosecution? I mean, the one thing that we never found uh, in our investigation was this involvement of, of this character Jaffe and all of that operation. Mm. You know, we didn't know that existed. I mean, you know, clearly we knew there were ops being run, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at very high levels against against Trump. But, you know, little did we know that they had continued that into the Trump administration, into the White House. I mean, this is a very serious charge. I think that's the fact that you've got these folks with high level, high security clearances, mm -hmm. getting government contracts, you know, this is something that that you know we never knew could even exist as you know, it, at least at, at our level on the intelligence committee, that you could somehow get, you know, a, a a contractor that could become politicized to go out and use the powers of the state to essentially spy on your political opponents. I mean, that's what happened. So I'm eager to learn what we find out there. It's it, it I'm surprised that Jaffe hasn't been, um, that, you know, hasn't been indicted yet. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, for me, that's interesting. I mean, the rest of it we all know, right? I mean, and, and basically the Clintons have, have admitted it, right? I mean, they pled, they had to pay a fine to the Federal Elections Commission. Yeah. I mean, there was, a, you know, obviously misuse of, of funds there. I mean, everybody know well, not everybody, but, <laughs> but people that are watching this video most likely know uh, you know the whole story, the you know the, the major pieces to the Russia hoax mm. story, um, except for that piece on on Jaffe. So I think America has sort of learned the value of you know when you were chairman and you ran the oversight investigation on RussiaGate. You know there is a definitive role for congressional oversight, and it's based in the Constitution. And you did it, even though they were, the charge was he was doing politically, you just did it wherever the facts led, which was the best way to run an investigation. Fast forward now, you have the unselect committee on January 6th doing it as politically as you possibly can. Now, in November, if the elections go the way, you know, everybody says they're going to go, give, give the audience some insight on 
you're not in Congress anymore, but what investigations would you want Congress, like judiciary and intel, to focus on? Um, well, I think, simply put, uh, this is so bad, and it's in the the institutions are rotting from from the inside. So if you look at the most important issue at the highest level in terms of government corruption, mm -hmm. uh, it's got to be the Department of Justice. How do you go after this? There's going to have to be an investigation like none that's ever been done before, directly at the Department of Justice and everything below. Right. So dating back to what happened during, you know, as far back as even Benghazi. Right, but for sure, the Russia hoax, mm -hmm. their involvement in that, the Ukraine impeachment hoax, to January 6th, to whatever the hell happened up in Michigan with that, you know, all of these yeah. people supposedly working for the federal government as agents, or, you know, agents of the federal government running around. I mean, this is absolute madness. It's gotten out of control. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to have to be an, a, a, a real investigation like it's never been done, and it's going to have to be Department of Justice. And, it, and from there, all the tentacles go down to so everybody else. Putting your chairman hat back on, right? You know, whoever's the chairman of judiciary or OGR or Intel going forward after the gavel switch, what would, how would you advise them to do that? Because you know how to do that. Yeah. And a lot of the folks in Congress, unfortunately, don't have that background, don't have that experience. I, I, I think it's going to have to be a special, a special committee uh, that's put together and, you know, how they comprise that. I don't know, with a full staff. I mean, as you know, I mean, think about our little team. Mm -hmm. On, on, on Intel, I mean, there was very few people that ran that whole investigation, and I can tell you, it, and, and that was with the help of people like Chuck Grassley and sure. and Ron Johnson and people who did a, who did a lot of work to help us get to the truth of, of RussiaGate. This is much bigger than that because this is like this. This actually involves RussiaGate too, right? Because mm. everything that has to be looked at from the Department of Justice all the way down is runs the gamut from RussiaGate to Jan Six to everything else that we don't have answers for, plus the cooperation, how they're cooperating with the Democrats and the media and Mueller, right? I mean, mm. Mueller needs to be investigated. So I think you start with DOJ and you have to, you have to look at everything and it's got to be a big staff and it's got to be people that are serious about, about reining in the Department of Justice, which I hate to say that, but we were just talking earlier about you've got a two-tiered system, you've got people walking in D.C., mm -hmm. you've got these wild investigations, you've got you know this guy Ray Epps that still nobody can <laughs> tell <laughs> yes. me what the hell he, he was doing at the mm -hmm. Capitol, right? He clearly was was at one point he was on the FBI's most wanted list, and then and now he's just yeah. disappeared. We have no information on the guy. I mean, it's 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 just outrageous and it's out of control. You know, actually, I don't think I've ever heard someone today propose a select committee to run this, um, you know, macro level writ large investigation at Congress. But, you know. For, for those that don't know, how, is, how does that get done? Does the speaker have to stand it up? Do Republicans have to get together? What, how does that even look? Yeah, it's, it's actually, you know, it's really, there's been a lot of them in the, in the past, and I think it's just a vote of the House. Oh, right. I mean, okay. it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be best if the Senate would do the same thing, like a, a, both a House and Senate investigation. Mm -hmm. It probably will be a little harder, though, in the Senate, because, I, you know, I think even on the Republicans' best day, you know, it's going to be a 51 or 52 uh you know, 48 type of majority, right? Mm -hmm. There's just not enough seats that are that the Republicans can win, unless you know things go really uh, poorly <laughs> for the Democrats. It's possible, but so the House for sure can create uh, a special uh, committee of some kind, uh, give it funding, and and run this investigation. And I don't see how else they're going to do it. I mean, it's just too much for for uh, you know Jim Jordan to run. The, he's got Jim's got so many other issues that he's got to look sure. at, right? So it's got to have full power. Just, I mean, basically, exactly like this this Jan Six ridiculous mm -hmm. you know, kangaroo court. There needs to be 
a real investigation of the Department of Justice. And I think until you do that, you're going to continue what, you know, as we, you and I found out, we just got the runaround all the time. We did. And, and we were working with a Republican administration when you were the Republican chair of Intel. So it was extremely frustrating. Uh, one of the things I definitely want to talk about uh, before jumping over to Truth Social, which I definitely want to get into, is Hunter Biden laptop. And I want to, you know, I want to go into it because it's the intersection of intelligence and evidence and law enforcement, just like we found with Russiagate, just like we found with the Christopher Steele dossier and the reason we put out the Nunes memo and things like that. This has been proven, the Hunter Biden laptop, to be evidence of criminality. But a year ago or a year plus ago, just before the election, 51 intelligence officials, including heads of the CIA and Department of Defense, came out and said, the Hunter Biden laptop is Russian disinformation. How does that happen? And, and how do you prevent that from happening ever again? Well, it goes to, it goes to my point about starting at the top with mm -hmm. the Department of Justice. I mean, that's, you know, this is part, this is one of those many issues that have to be investigated. Um, and remember, do you remember how poorly and, I, and, and continually the, the poor guy that actually did the right thing, took that laptop to the FBI? Yeah. He got and, destroyed. It got, and it got buried. He's, his life has been destroyed. He's been turned upside down. I mean, mm -hmm. this is happening because of the Department of Justice and the FBI, you know, plain and simple. And this should not be happening. I mean, it's impossible that if the Hunter Biden laptop was the Donald Trump Jr. laptop, I mean, it would be, I mean, would have been locked up years ago. Yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, it would have been ugly. And, and just think of, I mean, there's so many things that are on that laptop that we're now learning now. Look at how many crimes have, have been broken. I mean, I mean, you, you know this better than anyone. <laughs> there's, probably, there's probably 30 or 40 different crimes on yeah. that, sitting on that laptop, and you're telling me four or five years later you've done absolutely nothing? It's I shocking. Mean, and this is what the Department of Justice, they have to answer to that. And, you know, the coordination that went in between the intelligence agencies and, and your old buddy, you know, the Democrats on the, on the House <laughs> Intelligence Committee, you know, you know, Adam Schiff, I mean, he was the one that was, that was pushing that. He's, yeah. He clearly would have been communicating with those, with those intel agencies, mm -hmm. with the campaigns. And then you've got, and I think all of those people that signed that, mm -hmm. they all took part and they had to knowingly take part in a cover-up for political purposes. They use their, if they have, if they have clearances, mm -hmm. There should be an investigation of everybody who signed that. Everybody who signed that letter, wow. if they're still holding a clearance. A lot of them are. They, they ought to be investigated, say, who'd you talk to? When'd you talk to him? Because as you know, you can't use your clearance for political purposes. And clearly that's what, that's what happened. I mean, these guys are not stupid cash. You know damn well those people that signed that letter knew that that was not Russian disinformation. Yeah. So the fact if any of them are holding security clearances, they should be invest they should be investigated fully and and that doesn't mean that and look maybe some of them just signed it right but there had you know the who didn't really know that yeah. okay i'm just going to sign it but there had to be some of those people that were in the lead of that that were concocting essentially a disinformation op using our nation's intelligence apparatus wow so i've really never heard of anyone take this writ large approach on capitol hill for select committee and then as you you know I think that's a brilliant idea because security clearances are a privilege and these guys are out there using them to make millions of dollars as outside consultants, as former secretaries of defense and secretary or cabinet secretaries and, and high level intel officers. So those clearances can actually be revoked if it's found out that they committed uh, a fraud or broke the NDAs that they signed. So I think that's a great point that no one's talking about. Maybe at least one of the committees can 
And that's a narrow investigation that maybe like an intel committee could take but, up alone. But I know I think it's actually underneath the whole rubric oh, you of, want, that, of uh, that Department of Justice investigation. Okay. I, I mean, I think all of that should, that's why it, it's, it's such a large endeavor. And, and I believe that's, that's going to be the only solution is like a full top to bottom uh, like teardown of the, of the Department of Justice, deep dive that then gets into all the intelligence agencies. And you've got to go back from... You know, you know, even before Russia, mm -hmm. the Russia hoax, through the Hunter Biden laptop hoax, through January 6, all of this stuff has to be, you know, has to be looked at because if not, every day that goes by, I can tell you the the viewers that are watching this, the people that read Epoch Times, mm -hmm. they don't trust the Department of Justice, they don't trust the FBI. That is a bad place for this country to be. I mean, I don't trust them. I mean, I was former chair of the House Intelligence Committee, and wow. I can tell you. I mean, I don't trust the Department of Justice. I don't trust the FBI. And that doesn't mean there's not, there's, there's a lot of great people that work in those agencies, mm -hmm. but this is what I spent my whole career in Congress, a large part of my career, was going to the second and third world countries, mm -hmm. working with their intelligence agencies, you know, talking about you know, how to have free and fair elections, what has to happen, and, and what's the number one thing? I mean, you sat in yeah. a bunch of those meetings, I would always say, hey, you've all, at the end of the day, you've gotta make sure that your judicial branch is separate and your intelligence agencies never get involved in any politics. Mm -hmm. And here I went around for two decades, you know, <laughs> preaching that and it's happening in America, in, in America at the highest levels. And it's, it's, it's rotted out, not just those institutions, it's, it's even spreading over into the courts, yeah. right? Because the, the, the judges, these federal judges could put a quick into some of this, like right? That. Like the Jan 6 stuff, they, oh, yeah. I mean, holding these people like the way they're holding them. And I've always said, look, just throw the people in jail that I, I the people who broke the windows, mm -hmm. I wanna know them. The people who planted the pipe bombs, I wanna know who they are. But I mean, this is, this is crazy. They're taking people, turning, they're ruining their lives, leaving them in jail. Mm -hmm. We interviewed Julie Kelly the other day yeah. on, on wow. my podcast, and I think you've interviewed her too. I mean, how is it possible that people are going to jail that weren't even in the damn building. And just for something that they said, it's like, you know, yeah, just for something that they said outside, you know, it'd be like, you know, walking out to the street, you know, and saying, hey, I, I don't like this, I don't like that. And then all of a sudden you're gonna be rotting in a jail and you're gonna get the, the, your, your life turned upside down because of you're exercising, you know, your ability to have, you know, free speech in this country, your first amendment rights. I mean, that's what's happening in this country and the whole damn thing is rotting. I think you're right. And I think for me as a former, you know, national security prosecutor and defender, public defender, you know, this two tier system of justice keeps getting put on display, be it Russiagate, be it the Ukraine impeachment hoax, be it the Hunter Biden laptop. And now over to January 6th, right? You have people who are charged, and I agree with you, those that broke actual laws should be prosecuted, but 60-year-old women with no criminal history should not be held in confinement before their trial date. There used to be a presumption of innocence, and there's this deafening silence from the, the liberal left and the ACLUs of the world that used to be their champions and their voices. But on, on, you know, one of the things I highlight for folks on Jan 6 is like, look at the way Colbert staff was treated. They did the exact same thing. They're arrested by the Capitol Police for breaking and entering and unlawfully being uh, in in the United States Capitol, not even around it, in yeah. it. And then magically the Department of Justice and the DC U.S. Attorney's Office said, we're not gonna prosecute you. He came into my office on a couple uh, Oh, that's couple right, times, I remember that. Barged into the office, you know, with all of his people acting like a moron, <laughs> right? 
And so, you know, there's a guy who's, you know, his ratings have tanked. I mean, if it wasn't yeah. for kind of the woke corporates yeah. who continue to fund these operations, I mean, that guy wouldn't have a show. I mean, he doesn't have any viewers. I mean, he used to be funny back in the day on, but you no, know, he just politicized everything. Yeah. And, you know, those activities that, that, that his team got busted or got caught doing not to be prosecuted. I mean, he's been doing this for, for many, many years. I mean, like I said, he did it. He did it to me at least on a couple occasions. Wow, that's scary. Yeah. Well, so I think, you know, we've, we, you know, even for me, having known you as well as I've gotten to know you, have become such good friends. <laughs> I didn't know those were some of your some of your greater ideas, and those are those are really important for the audience to see that those things are possible. So if if you know I know this well, and the people in your you know this well, you're one of the greatest host uh, dinner hosts uh, in the world. When you get invited to a Devin Nunes dinner, so I remember late in December, right before you left Congress, we had this great dinner, and you're a big wine guy, and you brought out like all these special wines, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. But you know, I didn't really suspect something was up. Up. And then two days later, you told me you were leaving Congress. Why? You know, you were about to be chairman again of, of House Intel, if not Ways and Means, controlling all the money in the United States government. Yeah. One of the most powerful positions, literally, in all three branches of the U.S. government. And you're like, I'm going to go run TMTG. Yeah, well, it's, it's, really, it's really simple. And, and, and you know this. I wrote a little book called yep. Countdown to Socialism. And you know, little did I know that was before the Hunter Biden laptop. That was before we found out that Facebook put in $419 million. It was before, you know, we ended up with this, you know, where mm -hmm. President Trump got booted off of every platform. Because I caught early on during the Russia hoax, me being shadow banned. And I was the first to go to Rumble. Uh, first, mm -hmm. you know, the first anybody in America really to go to Rumble. Now every conservative is on Rumble because it's the only place that you're going to be able to put your videos and be safe. Yeah, you, that you, aren't going to be you put them on display in the uh, Devin Nunes Freedom Tour. Yeah, well, that was that came after, right? So oh. this was in this was in 20. Oh, that that all of I started using Rumble, went to Parler, mm -hmm. and I quickly found out, oh my God, what's happening to us on these these? The, you know, this is destroying. America, we're not able to get our message out because it's bad enough that 95% of the, the news is fake news. But when you put it through that funnel, through, you know, through the devices that everybody's getting their information from, it's how you ultimately end up. And I saw this, I saw this polling after the election of 2020. What you and I know is a hoax, mm -hmm. the Russia hoax. I saw after the election polling that showed still over half of America thought that Donald Trump wow. and Republicans had something to do with Russia. And that's when I went out all through 2021, mm -hmm. you know, on our freedom tour. So I was out talking about these issues, you know, warning people that, you know, if you can't even communicate with one another, you know, the country's gonna be in a really bad place. And that's where we are, that's where we sit today, except for what True Social is doing. I mean, we're opening the internet back up to give the American people their voice back. Mm -hmm. So I just viewed it as the most important issue at the highest level. And so when President Trump called me, all President Trump, President Trump has built, he didn't need a company, I didn't need a job. Yeah, and you know, we're doing this for the, for the American people and, and people around the globe just to give people their voice back. Wow. I mean, because think about, I mean, think of the, and you see it every day on True Social, there's, there's so many of these people who were, who were banned or shadow banned. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's actually refreshing every day to get on the Truth Social platform and see people, you know, you know, to exercise their their freedom. And you know, and we're barely, you know, we just got approved up in the Google Play Store for pre-order. Oh. So you know, this company isn't even fully launched, right? We've only got five of the features built out of the ten that we want to get done by mm -hmm. the end of the year. It's a reward. It's rewarding work, but at the same time, it's 
absolutely necessary work to protect this democratic republic from rotting from within. You have to let people have basic communications with each other. I think, look, I mean, I always joke with people, you know this because you've known me for so long. I've never been on social media. And over people are like, why are you on, why are you on Truth Social? And I was like, well, it took two of my former bosses to get me on, President Trump and Devin Nunes. It's kind of like the uh, on And you're joke. a superstar, <laughs> man. Everybody loves you on there. But, it, you know, I got to say, it's, it's fun. It's engaging. But, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone ask you this, but what's your favorite, you know, one or two things about Truth Social? Is it a feature? Is it the, what is it? Well, it's a good, good question. I, I think that uh, kind of the new feature set that we put out mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago where you know, we wanted to, be, to make sure that we weren't using an algorithm in the timeline and that we weren't doctoring people's feeds. Oh. So that's critical, right? So whatever comes onto your feed comes on in order, um, which is great, but except that if you post at 7 a.m. and it's 9 p.m., you know, people aren't going to be able to go back in their feed and see what you posted without, without going to your page. So we have that new carousel at the top yeah, that, that you've seen. Cool. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to quickly interact with people that you, you, know, that you choose to follow. Mm-hmm. So I think that is a, a, okay. a, a great feature uh, that, that we've added, and that will continue to get better uh, over time. You know, so it'll, it'll put people in that carousel that you want to be notified when mm-hmm. they post. So it makes it easy so at, at 9 p.m., you haven't checked True Social all day, and you can get on there and you can say, okay, I want to see what, what Cash said. No, or I want to see what Cat Turd said. <laughs> I don't know who's more popular on True Social, you I mean, or Cat Turd. Yeah, I think we're going to have to flex some of my following because I can't be less popular than Cat Turd. Um, Cat but- Turd is, a, I mean, for, your, for your, the audience here, I mean, talk about a really interesting story of a guy who who knew nothing about true social or nothing about social media, mm-hmm. much like yourself. And about three or four years ago, he just became a superstar because he's just really funny. Nobody knows what he is he's, or who he is. He's oh, he's just, still anonymous. He's he, anonymous. He's oh, just wow. a cat. He's a, 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 a cat avatar. We interviewed him on, uh, on the podcast here last week. And, uh, yeah, and he's super funny. But a guy like that who is conservative was being shadow banned uh, and censored on the other platforms. Oh, wow. And for uh, on our platform, he's not being censored. So it was really a, a, an interesting interview. And it's those types of things that, that make you really enjoy the platform. And I think uh, what I'm also seeing is you're launching businesses, small mom and pop, brick and mortar, transforming into the online universe. And people are seeing, I've, I've seen literally everything from obviously merchandise and whatnot, but wood engravings to artwork, yeah. uh, to so many other people finding a platform to launch successful businesses because they're not getting shut down. And the biggest one, I think something that, that, and you know this is a big deal because the fake news is refusing to write about it. John Rich. Oh, yeah. Number one song called Progress. He launched it on True Social and put the video to rumble. And it went to number one and stayed there nearly for two weeks. It was exclusively on True Social, right? He didn't launch it anywhere else. Well, not only did he not, nobody else would launch it. No record label would take it. Oh, wow. Radio stations, all the woke corporates refused to play it. And that shows you the power of free speech, the power of true social and rumble when I don't know a damn thing about music. Right? <laughs> and for John Rich to be able to post yeah. his song on true social and it to stay number one for nearly two weeks is incredible. I mean, it's a story that hasn't been written yet. It needs to be written, needs to be investigated because this is now going to be the pathway to your point of 
people who want to you know, really launch new products that can't get an audience somewhere else, they're going to be coming to True Social and Rumble uh, in, in the future. And I think the, the, the John Rich number one hit song just proves that. No, that was so cool to me because I am a huge country music fan. And when you were like, hey, we're doing this John Rich interview on my podcast, I was like, yeah, I want to do it. Now I know John Rich. So um, I've met so many great people just, you know, through Truth Social that I never thought I would do. So I've come to learn a lot about the technology now behind social media platforms. And I get that there's all sorts of ways to get canceled, quote unquote. But when you say Truth Social, you know, it can't be canceled. Did you, I know you guys had that in mind when you built it, but most of our audience doesn't know what yeah. that means. Yeah, good, good question. So we're building True Social brick by brick, mm -hmm. right? And that's why we're building it slow and methodical because we are not putting ourselves in a position where any of these big corporations could cancel us, right? For, so for example, any normal business mm -hmm. is gonna, you're gonna go to IBM, Microsoft, Amazon Web Services, you're gonna work with them, their teams, they're gonna provide the servers. That's how a normal okay. business would be put together. Uh, we've done the opposite where we're, we're not using any of those because they're woke, they're dangerous, uh, and at any given point, they could cut the cords, they could stop servicing mm -hmm. us, right? So we are very careful, uh, uh, you know, especially in terms of our data centers, we're using the, the it's being run on the Rumble cloud, mm -hmm. right? Because so, so Rumble and us are really partnered together to ensure that none of these big tech companies can come in and shut us down. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I think that's that's the main key. Uh, and, and any companies that we work with, I mean, we're very very careful. If we do, we're not solely we, we work with some outside contractors, very few, but we always have a backup plan, in case in case something goes goes wrong with one of them. So that's the I think that's the big difference. It's the infrastructure, right? If 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 there is one of these companies that owns just a piece of it, if they hit the axe, then the whole thing goes down. So what I understand you saying is you've built. Um, You've built it so these companies can't ever enter the ecosystem. Nobody can, nobody can stop us. That's There's no, 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 all these big tech companies that everybody would think that, that any normal company, 99.9% .9 of all the, mm -hmm. the companies that use any type of technology in this country use one of the top five or top 10 of these big tech companies. And, wow. and we're not doing it. Thanks so much again for having us and hosting us here in Sarasota, Truth Social Headquarters. Uh, a, a lot of this conversation, you know, you and I have had in private, but I don't think really it's ever been publicized. So this is going to be a really cool episode and really interesting for America to see. Uh, we've talked about a lot of the corruption, a lot of the two-tier system of justice, the fake news media. We talked about how we went after it and exposed it. And I think what a lot of Americans are, are at now is... Republicans aren't in power, we don't have the White House, we don't have Congress, we might get it soon. Um, you know, is there a chance to fix it? Is there a chance to get it back on track? Do you believe that? Yeah, I, you know, absolutely, right? I mean, I'm a, as you know, uh, you know, I'm a happy warrior, right? <laughs> and I believe in this country, I believe in the Constitution, and it's, it's why I'm here. It's why I'm here at True Social, mm. because, you know, I believe in free speech, I believe in giving the American people their voice back, just like the president has done. So what we're doing here is changing people's lives like we've talked about on a daily basis. So it's slow and it's hard and what's going to have to happen if the Republicans mm -hmm. are lucky enough to get back in, back in power, these investigations are going to be tough and, and they're not going to be easy. But look, you have to, you know, the first thing to, to, to solving a problem mm -hmm. is to admit that you have a problem. And this country has yet to admit that we have a problem 
And I think that's what the Republicans should be able to expose, you know, once they create and, and run these investigations. They, it's probably going to be the most consequential uh, investigations that have been run because you're looking at five, six, seven years of, of massive corruption that have to be dealt with and have to be exposed. And it's only going to happen using that, that power of the legislative branch. And then, of course, at the same time, having social media that's not being censored so that the word of those investigations and the truth, so to speak, can be put out on true social and places, and, and places like Rumble uh, so that you know, the, the town square and the Internet's opened up for people to receive that information. And that was really the hardest part that we had, mm -hmm. right? Was, was getting it out. It was getting it out because we get it out and they didn't say, oh, Russian disinformation. And oh, this, you know, look at, look at this memo over here. So, you know, so I have, you know, I have faith and confidence that in what we're doing here at True Social, what Rumble is doing and what the Republicans can do when they get back in, in, in control, that ultimately the American people will benefit and the country can begin to, to heal again. It's just that, there's a lot of work that has to be done to get there. Maybe they'll hire Devin Nunes and Cash Patel as outside consultants. <laughs> yeah. But uh, look, I have one last question. We've had a blast here. This has just been a great time to, to do this format. So uh, yes, I found Dan Scavino, so we're not going to ask him where he is. But seven months out of Congress, right? You, you were in that seat for 20 years, seven months out. What do you miss? And from Washington? <laughs> Not a damn thing. <laughs> uh, don't, I mean, the, probably the only thing that, uh, you know, you have a lot of good people that I worked with over the years. Mm -hmm. Obviously, my, you know, my staff, my former staff, uh, you know, you miss those folks. You miss, mm -hmm. I think I, when I left uh, Congress, I said that when I stood up before the Republicans and I said, uh, I said, look, guys, uh, I'm leaving. I said, I said, I'm going to miss some of you quite a bit, but most of you I'm not going to miss at all, <laughs> <laughs> which was kind of a joke, but, but not entirely. But I for sure don't miss. I mean, I think the, you know, the left has become so hardcore. You know, I, I, I give the example when I, was, when I first went into Congress, mm -hmm. you had Bernie Sanders was in the House of Representatives at the time. He was kind of the leader of the socialists. And he was seen as a kook, backbencher. Mm -hmm. There would be these votes that would put up that, that you know, they would get 10 or 20 votes, right? And now those policies are now the mainstream wow. of the Democratic Party that now get well over 200 votes in the House. And so you've got a party that's really become, went from the Democratic Party to a Marxist socialist party. So, Devin, I, that's, thanks so much for your time. We have, we've had a blast down here at Sarasota at Truth Social Headquarters. Really appreciate it. Great seeing you as always. Thanks, thanks so guys. much. Appreciate it. Well, everybody, that's a wrap for this week's special episode with Devin Nunes here in Sarasota, Florida at Truth Social Headquarters. And of course, it's time for our shout out. And this week, we have a twofold shout out. One, it's to the Epoch TV Road Warriors that made this happen. Thank you for this show and all the production that you guys do to make Cash's Corner a reality. And the second thanks has to go to the Truth Social team. I want to shout out to Jack and Mateus and Northwall and Company for making Truth Social such a kick-ass platform. Keep posting on there. Keep posting on Cash's Corner's commentary board. And we will see you next week on Cash's Corner.